Where Love Is, God Is by Leo Tolstoy In a certain town, there once lived a shoemaker named Martin Avdeich. He lived in a cellar in a tiny room with one window. The window looked out on the street, and through it, one could watch the people passing by. Only their feet could be seen, but it was by their shoes that Martin Avdeich recognized people. Martin Avdeich had lived in the same place a long time and knew many people. It was a rare pair of shoes in the neighborhood that had not passed through his hands once or twice. Some he had resold, some he had patched, others he had restitched, and for some he had even made new toes. And he often saw his work go by the window. Avdeich had a great deal of work because he worked honestly, used good material, did not overcharge, and kept his word. If he could finish a job on time, he took it. If he could not, he would say so in advance and not deceive people. Everyone knew Avdeich, and he always had plenty of work. He had always been a good man, and as he grew older, he began to give more thought to his soul and drew closer to God. His wife had died while he was still an apprentice and had left him with only one son, three years of age. Their older child had all died before. At first, Martin wanted to send his little son to his sister in the country. Then he felt remorse, thinking, It would be hard for my little Kapitashok to grow up in a strange family. I'll keep him myself. So, Avdeich left his master and moved with his son into an apartment. But God granted Avdeich no luck with his children. As soon as the boy had grown up and begun to be a delight and to help his father, he caught a disease went to bed, had a fever for a week, and died. Martin buried his son and became despondent, so despondent that he began grumbling at God. In his despair, he asked God for death more than once and reproached him for taking his beloved only son instead of an old man like himself. Lavadeh stopped going to church. Then one day, an old man from his native village, who had been on, on a pilgrimage for seven years, came by on his way from Choista. Avdeich talked with him and complained about his misfortunes. And I no longer want to live, holy man. If only I could die, that's all I ask of God. I've become a man without hope now. And the old man replied to him, What you are saying is not good, Martin. We must never judge God's doings. God's judgment decides them not our own minds. God judged that your son should die and you should live, which means it was best so. And what makes you so miserable is that you want to live for your own pleasure. But what else does one live for? asked Martin. And the old man said to him, One must live for God, Martin. He gives you life, and you must live for him. When you begin to live for him, you will no longer grieve for anything and everything will seem easy for you. Martin was silent. Then he said, And how does one live for God? And the old man said, That's what Christ showed us, how to live for God. Can you read? Buy the gospel and read it. There you'll learn how to live for God. Everything is to be found there. These words made a deep impression on Avdij's heart. That very next day, he went and bought himself the New Testament in large print and began reading it. 
Avdi had meant to read only on holidays, but when he began reading, he felt so at peace in his soul that he began to read every day. Once he became so absorbed in reading that he burned out all the kerosene in his lamp before he could tear himself away from the book. And the more he read, the more he clearly understood what God wanted of him and how one must live for God, and his heart grew lighter and lighter. Before, when he lay down to sleep, he used to moan and groan and keep remembering his kapitashok. But now he just repeated over and over, Glory to thee, glory to thee, O Lord, thy will be done. And from that time on, Avdiyatru's whole life was transformed. Before, he used to drink tea in the tavern on holidays, and as a matter of fact, would not refuse a little vodka. After drinking a while with a friend, although not drunk, he would leave the inn tipsy and talking nonsense. He sometimes shouted at people or abused them. Now all these habits left him of themselves, and his life became calm and happy. From early morning, he would sit at his work, and after the day's work, he would take out his little lamp, put it on the table, get his book from the shelf, open it, and settle down to read. And the more he read, the more he understood. And the more he understood, the clearer and more joyful his heart became. One evening, Martin had become absorbed and read late. He was reading the gospel according to Luke. He read through the sixth chapter and the verses. If a man strike thee on the cheek, offer him the other cheek too. If a man would take away thy cloak, do not begrudge him thy coat along with it. Give to every man who asks, and if a man takes what is thine, do not ask him to restore it. As you would have men treat you, you are to treat them, not otherwise. Martin also read those verses in which the Lord says, How is it that you call me master, master, and will not do what I bid you? If anyone comes to me and listens to my commandments and carries them out, I will tell you what he is like. He is a man that would build a house, who dug, dug deep, and laid his foundation on rock. Then a flood came, and the river broke upon that house, but could not stir it, for it was founded upon rock. But the man who listens to what I say and does not carry it out is like a man who built his house in the earth without foundation. When the river broke upon it, it fell at once, and great was that house's ruin. As Abdeh read those words, his soul became happy. He took off his glasses, laid them on the book, leaned his elbows on the table, and became thoughtful. He began to measure his life against these words, and thought to himself, Is my house built on rock or on sand? If it's rock, it's good. Seems quite easy sitting here alone. It's easy to think you followed all God's commandments. But then you overstep and sin again. Still, keep trying. It's already better. Help me, Lord. Thinking these thoughts, he was about to go to bed but did not want to tear himself away from the book. He began reading the seventh chapter. He read about the centurion, about the widow's son, about the answer to John's disciples. And he came to the place in which the rich Pharisee invites the Lord to his house as a guest. And he read how the sinful woman anointed his feet and bathed them with her tears, and how he absolved her. And he came to the 44th verse and began reading. Then he turned toward the woman, said to Simon, Dost thou see this woman? I came into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. And she has washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. Thou gavest me no kiss of greeting. 
She has never ceased to kiss my feet since I entered. Thou didst not pour oil on my head. She has anointed my feet and with ointment. He read these verses and thought, Thou gavest no water, thou gavest no kiss. Thou did not pour oil on my head. And again, Abdaich took off his glasses, laid them on the book, and became thoughtful. The Pharisee must have been just like me. Like me, he thought only of himself. He would drink tea and warmth and comfort, but without giving a thought to his guest. He took care of himself, but took no care of his guest. And who was his guest? The Lord himself. If he had come to me, would I do the, have done the same? Navdeh put his head in his hands and fell asleep without realizing it. Martin. A voice seemed to breathe in his ear suddenly. Martin roused himself, half awake. Who's there? He turned around, glanced toward the door. No one. He settled down again. Suddenly heard distinctly. Martin. Oh, Martin. Look out in the street tomorrow. I shall come. Martin woke up, rose from his chair and rubbed his eyes. He could not tell whether he had heard or dreamt these words. Putting out the lamp, he went to bed. The next morning, Avdej got up before dawn, prayed, heated the stove, put on his cabbage soup and kasha, lit the samovar, put on his apron and sat down near the window to work. Avdej sat and worked. But he kept thinking about what happened on the previous evening, and his thoughts were divided. Sometimes he felt he'd been dreaming. Sometimes he felt he had actually heard that voice. Well, he thought, such things have happened. Martin sat by the window and did more looking out of the window than working. And whenever anyone came by in unfamiliar shoes, he would stoop and peer out the window to see the face as well as the boots. A house porter came by in new felt boots, a water carrier passed by, then an old soldier of Nikolai I's days came, even with a window wearing welted old felt boots and carrying a shovel in his hands. Avdich recognized him by his boots. The old man was called Stepanich, and he had lived on charity at the house of a neighboring tradesman. His duties were to help the house porter. Stepanich began clearing away the snow outside Avdich's window. Avdich glanced at him and went back to work. So, you've grown stupid with old age, Avdich thought, laughing at himself. Stepanich comes to clear away snow, and I think it's Christ come to me. What a stupid old fool I've become. However, Avdich had only taken a dozen stitches when he was again drawn to look out of the window. When he looked out, he saw Stepanich leaning against his shovel against the wall and trying either to get to rest or to get warm. He's an old man, obviously worn out, not strong enough to shovel now. Why not give him a little tea? The samovars just come to a boil anyway. Avdich thrust in his awl, got up, put the samovar on the table, fixed the tea, and wrapped his fingers on the window pane. Stepanich turned around and came to the window. Come on in and get warm. You're frozen, aren't you? Christ keep you, my bones are aching, said Stepanich. Stepanich came in, shook off the snow, and carefully wiping his feet, almost fell down. Oh, don't bother wiping your feet, I'll mop it up, it's all in a day's work. Come in, sit down, have some tea. Navadich prepared two glasses of tea, 
pushed one towards his guest, poured his own in a saucer, and began blowing on it. Stepanich drank down his glass, turned it bottom up, put the remainder of his sugar lump on top, and thanked him. It was easy to see he wanted more. No, oh, I have another, Avdij said, pouring a second glass for his guest and himself. Avdij drank his tea, glancing out the window from time to time. Are you waiting for someone? Waiting? Oh, I'm ashamed to say who I'm, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting, well, not really, but I can't get those words out of my mind. Whether it was a vision or what, I don't know myself. You see, my friend, I was reading the gospel of our Lord Jesus last night. How he suffered when he was on earth. I guess you've heard of it? Yes, I've heard, but we're ignorant people and can't read. Well, then, I was reading about how he was on earth and how he came to the Pharisee and how that man did nothing to receive him. Well, then I was reading along, my friend, and I was just thinking about how he didn't receive our little father Jesus with honor. If he came to me, for instance, I was thinking, how would I receive him? But the Pharisee did nothing to receive him, so I was thinking like that, and I fell asleep. Fell asleep, my friend, and heard somebody calling me by name. I got up, it was like a voice, somebody whispering. Wait, it said, tomorrow I shall come. Twice this happened. Now you see, believe it or not, it's stuck in my mind. I reason with myself, but I still keep waiting for him, the little father. Stepanich nodded his head and said nothing. He drank down his glass and put it on its side. But Avdaich picked up the glass and filled it again. Drink to your health. You see, I was thinking that when he, the little father, was on earth, he scorned nobody and went about with simple people. He was always among simple people, and he chose his disciples mostly from people like us, sinners, workers. He who is exalted shall be humbled. He who is humble shall be exalted. You call me Lord, he said. But I, he said, will wash your feet. Let whoever wants to lead be the servant of everyone, because, because blessed are the poor, the humble, the meek, the merciful. Stepanich forgot his tea. He was an old man and cried easily. He sat listening with tears rolling down his face. Come, have some more. But Stepanich crossed himself, thanked him, pushed his glass away and stood up. Thank you, Martin Havdij, for inviting me. You have fed my soul as well as my body. You're welcome. Come again, glad to have a guest. When Stepanich had gone, Martin poured himself the last of the tea, drank it, put away the dishes and sat down again at his window to work. He was stitching a counter on a shoe, stitching and still looking out the window all the time, waiting for Christ and thinking about him and his deeds, and Christ's many sayings ran through his head. Two soldiers passed by, one in army-issued boots, the other in his own. The owner of the neighboring house went past in well-cleaned galoshes, a baker walked by with a basket. They all passed by, and then a woman in woolen stockings and very old shoes came even with the window, passed it, and stopped by the wall next to it. Avdaich looked at her through the window and saw that she was a stranger, badly dressed, standing against the wall with her back to the, to the wind and a child in her arms. She was trying to wrap up the child, but had almost nothing with which to cover it. She wore summer clothes, and ragged ones at that. Through the window, Avdaich heard the baby crying and the woman trying to soothe it. Avdaich got up, went out the door and up the steps, calling out, My good woman! The woman heard and turned around. What are you standing in the cold for with your baby? 
Come in the room. You can wrap him up better where it's warm. Come on in. And the woman was surprised to see an old man in an apron with glasses on his nose calling to her, but she followed him. They went down the steps into the room. The old man led the woman over to the bed. Sit down here, my good woman. It's closer to the stove. Warm yourself and feed the little one. I have no milk. I haven't eaten since morning myself, said the woman. But she took the child to her breast just the same. Avadich nodded his head, went to the table, fetched bread in a bowl, and opening the oven door, he poured cabbage soup in the bowl. He took out the pot of kasha too, but it was not ready yet. So he set the soup on the table. He spread a cloth on the table and fetched bread. Sit down and eat, good woman. I'll sit with the little one. I've had children of my own. I know how to look after them. The woman crossed herself, sat down at the table, and started to eat, while Avdej sat on the bed with the baby. Avdej made clucking noises with his lips, but the sound was not right because he had no teeth. The child kept crying. Then he thought of startling the infant with his fingers, and he waved his fingers in front of the child's mouth and whisked it away again, over and over, never letting the child suck it because it was black with cobbler's wax. The child began watching the finger and became quiet, then started to laugh. Avdich was delighted. Meanwhile, the woman was eating and telling who she was and where she was going. They took my soldier husband somewhere eight months ago, and I haven't heard since. I worked as a cook till I gave birth. They wouldn't keep me with a child. This is the third month I've been struggling along without work. I've eaten up everything I had. Tried to be a wet nurse. Didn't work, too. Too thin, they said. I was going to go to a merchant's wife where a woman I know works, and they promised to take me. I thought I could start at once, but she just told me to come back next week, and she lives far away. I'm starved, and the little one's worn out. Thank God the landlady's sorry for us and gives us room for the love of Christ. Otherwise, I don't know how we'd live. Avdage sighed and said, Don't you have any warm clothes? It would be a fine thing indeed to have some warm clothing, my dear. Yesterday I pawned my last shawl for twenty kopecks. The woman went to the bed and picked up the child while Avdage got up, went over the coat hooks on the wall, rummaged around and got out an old coat. Come, it's an old thing, but it'll do to wrap him in. The woman looked at the coat, looked at the old man, took the coat and burst into tears. Avdich turned away. Then he crawled under the bed, dragged out an old truck, groped in it, and sat down again opposite the woman. And the woman said, Christ keep you, grandfather. It's plain he sent me to your window. Oh, the child was frozen. It was warm when I left, but now it's turned cold. And he, the little father, made you look out the window and see and take pity on miserable me. Avdich smiled and said, he did, it's true. I wasn't looking out the window by accident, my good woman. And Martin told the soldier's wife about his dream and how he had heard the voice of the Lord promising to come to him that day. Take this for the sake of Christ, to get back your shawl, Avdij said as he gave her twenty kopecks. The woman crossed herself. Avdij crossed himself and went to the door with her. When the woman had gone, Avdij finished eating his cabbage soup cleared away the dishes, and sat down to work again. As he worked, he kept thinking of the window. As soon as a shadow crossed it, he looked to see who was passing by. People he knew walked by, strangers walked by, 
but no one unusual. Then Avdich saw an old woman peddler stopping opposite his window. She was carrying a basket of apples. Few were left. She had evidently sold most of them. But over her shoulder, she had a sack of wood chips, which she had probably gathered near a half-finished house. It was obvious that the bag weighed heavily on her shoulder. She stopped to shift it to the other side, putting it down on the sidewalk and setting her apple basket on a post. She began shaking down the chips in the sack. While she was shaking the sack, a little boy in a torn cap whirled out of nowhere, snatched an apple out of the basket, was about to slip off when the woman turned and grabbed him by the sleeve. The little boy struggled, trying to break loose, but the old woman, grasping him with both hands, knocked off his cap and seized him by the hair. The boy shouted. The old woman cursed. Without taking time to thrust in his awl, Avdich let it fall to the floor as he jumped out the door, dropping his glasses and stumbling on the steps. When he ran out into the street, the old woman was pulling the boy's curls and cursing, threatening to take him to the police. The little boy was parrying her blows and protesting, I never took it! Why hit me? Let me go! Avdich separated them, took the boy by the hand and said, Let him go, grandmother. Forgive and forget for the sake of Christ. I'll give him something he won't forget till the cows come home. I'll take the rascal to the police. Avdich beseeched the old woman. Let him go, grandmother. He won't do it again. Let him go for the sake of Christ. The old woman released him. The boy was about to run off, but Avdich held him back. Ask the grandmother's pardon and don't do it again. I saw you take it. The boy burst into tears and begged her pardon. Well, all right. And now here's an apple for you, Avidate said, taking one out of the basket and giving it to the boy. I'll pay you for it, grandmother. You'll spoil them that way, the thieves. He should get a reward. He wouldn't forget for a week. Ah, grandmother, that's our way, but not God's. If he should be whipped for an apple, what should be done to us for our sins? The old woman was silent. Avidate told the old woman the parable how a master released his servant from a large debt, and how the ungrateful servant then went and choked his own debtor. The old woman listened, and the boy stood, listening too. God tells us to forgive, or we won't be forgiven, and above all, a thoughtless child. The old woman nodded her head and sighed. It's true, but still they're very spoiled. Then we, the older ones, must teach them. That's what I say. I've had seven of them, one daughter still living. The old woman began to tell how and where she lived with her daughter and how many grandchildren she had. Now my strength isn't what it used to be, but I work hard for the sake of my children and grandchildren, and they're good grandchildren. No one greets me like they do. Akshuda, she won't leave me for anyone. Grandma, dear darling grandma, she says. The old woman became very tender and said, nodding at the little boy. Of course, it was child stuff. God be with you. The old woman was about to hoist the sack onto her shoulder when the boy sprang forward and said, well, Let me take it. I'm going that way. The old woman nodded her head and shifted the sack onto the boy's back. And they went down the road together. The old woman even forgot to ask Avdich to pay for the apple. Avdich stood watching and listening to them walking and talking constantly. When they were gone, 
Bob H. turned back home and found his glasses unbroken on the steps, picked up his awl, and sat down at his work again. After working a while, he could barely see to thread a bristle. He noticed that the lamplighter had come to light the street lamps. Oh, I must light the light, he thought, and he trimmed the lamp, hung it up, and began working again. He finished one boot, turned it around, looked at it. It was fine. He put his tools together, swept up the scraps, put away the bristles and threads and awls, took the lamp, put it on the table, and got his gospel from the shelf. He intended to open his book again at the place he had marked with a bit of leather the day before, but it opened to another spot. As he opened the gospel, Abdeach remembered his dream, and just as he remembered it, he suddenly heard footsteps, as if there was someone behind him. When he looked around, he thought he saw people standing in the dark corner, but he could not make out who they were, and a voice whispered in his ear, Martin, oh Martin, don't you know me? Who? Me, in his eye. And old Stepanich stepped, smiling out of the dark corner. He smiled and vanished like a cloud and was no more. And in his eye, said a voice. And the woman with the child came out of the dark corner and smiled. And the child laughed, and they also disappeared. And in his eye, said a voice. Out stepped the old woman and the boy with the apple, and both smiled and disappeared. And Abdeich's heart was happy. He crossed himself, put on his glasses, and began reading the gospel where it had opened. And he read aloud from the top of the page. And I hungered, and you gave me to eat. And I thirsted, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And at the bottom of the page he read, Inasmuch as you did this unto one of my brethren, you did it unto me. And Abdeach realized that his dream had not deceived him, and that the Savior had truly come to him that day, and that he had truly received him.